Buddhist Geeks Discover the Emerging Face of Buddhism. Episode 208 Secrets of Meditation. We're joined again by spiritual teacher Sally Kempton as she explains some of the profound yet subtle secrets to deepening in meditation. This is part two of a two part series. Buddhist Geeks is supported largely by the generosity of our listeners. If you like what we're doing, please consider making a one time or monthly recurring donation by visiting BuddhistGeeks.com forward slash donate. You know, I wanted to get into, into some of the things that you share in the book and some of the not necessarily techniques, but just ways of working with one's own heart and mind. And there was one story that really struck me, actually, where you'd been a Swami and you'd been teaching for quite a while. You've done meditation for a couple decades at this point. And you were describing how you were kind of in a dry place in your practice where you're coming, sitting for an hour. But there was a sense of the enjoyment or the love that you described in your early practice, not really being there in the same way anymore. And I wanted to, if you could say a little bit about some of the lessons that you learned because you actually started to approach your practice in a completely different way. And I, I found it so helpful to hear what you did and found it actually really meaningful in terms of my own uh, relationship with practice. Oh, thank you. Thank you. I would say two things about it. And this is something that I notice with a lot of longtime practitioners, you know, that we get set in a certain way of meditating. And then it becomes part of our routine, right? And you get into a certain state. If you're a good meditator, you can pretty much count on getting quiet and getting peaceful. But what tends to happen to many people is that it kind of stops there. And part of what challenged me to go deeper was that it wasn't so much that I wasn't enjoying it, because I did experience very peaceful states. It was more that I didn't feel like I was opening that I, I came into my practice with, with the understanding that if I took it seriously, that my awareness, my consciousness would reveal to me its vastness and its love and its beauty in a kind of daily way. And what I realized was that I, I was kind of stuck in peace in a certain sense, if you to kind of oversimplify it. So I decided that I needed to break through so I began to sit for long periods because that's what you have to do, of course, when you want to get to a different level in meditation practice. You have to just say to yourself, okay, I'm going to give some time to this. Because, of course, as I'm sure you know, part of what happens as we meditate for long periods of time is that, you know, it's, of course, the principle behind Zen practice. that If you just sit for long enough, there'll be a gradual opening in your consciousness. So what I started to do was experiment with it's very hard to put this into words um, because it was quite subtle, but what I began to experiment with was was giving directions to my own mind field. So in, in other words, instead of just being in the space that opened up, I would kind of enter into the field, the consciousness field that arises, almost as though I were walking into it, even though it was my awareness that was entering into it. That's what I mean by saying it's subtle. And I was meditating in the heart center, which I'd always done, like using the what's sometimes called the spiritual heart, the area 
somewhat to the right of the physical heart in the chest area as my it's always been my my resting place in meditation i began to have the sense of a kind of softening or opening inside the heart field and i would follow that opening and just keep following it as it unfolded and it would be like traveling through realms of increasingly subtle awareness and one of the things i describe in the book is a recognition that started to open up quite soon of a, an energy that I I related to as the beloved, as a, as a love energy that, that began to unfold as I traveled more deeply into the heart. And this loving energy became very, very powerful, both in meditation and out of meditation, so that much of the time, and it's still true today, that my heart would be in a state of kind of melting opening expansion and there would just be these moments when the heart would demand that I sit and close my eyes and go inside, go into it and and then as time went on, that opening would it began to unfold itself as an experience of a kind of borderless vastness, as the uh, big mind people would say, a, a kind of a vast big heart spaciousness that just goes on opening and expanding and and revealing itself as both the heart of myself and others and also as kind of vast source. It's a very deeply satisfying and unfolding experience and it's kind of gone on unfolding itself. So the secret, the secret for me was twofold. One was for me meditating in the heart, and that's not true for everybody. I mean, there, there are many people, many students of mine who, whose natural resting place for meditation is in, in the third eye or sometimes in the belly. I know that Tammy practices very much with her awareness in the hara, but for me, it's, it's been the heart, and in my tradition, the heart, it's a, uh, a synonym for divine consciousness itself. So, you know, we understand that there are at least four levels of the heart, there's the, the physical heart, of course, and then there's the, the subtle heart, the level to the subtle heart. There's the emotional heart, which is often the first place we hit when we start meditating in the heart, where all those feelings that have been sort of trapped in there for our lifetime and perhaps other lifetimes begin to be experienced. Because, of course, in normal life, we often take in wounding through the heart. And beyond that is what the Ramana Maharshi called the spiritual heart, which is a subtle and kind of infinitely expansive place of of love, of very subtle love. And beyond that is the vastness itself, which, um, as I say, in, in Shaivism, heart is one of the names for the absolute. So meditating in the heart can actually take you through your emotional stuff, and it will, into the deeper layer of of pure awareness and love, and from there into the expansive recognition of, of the heart as the heart of all that is. But the secret for me was being a little bit proactive and actually dialoguing with with the aspects of awareness that appeared to me and and also just taking a general position that whatever showed up, I was going to move into it rather than than looking at 
the visions or the feelings, etc., that arose in meditation as objects or as other, that I would enter everything that came up. If sadness came up, I would go into the sadness. I would just let myself fully enter the sadness until I got to the place where the energy of sadness would start to expand and become love energy, which is what happens to energies when you enter into them. They all sort of turn into love and awareness. Or if a if a a, a block came up, I would go into it. I would you know, kind of make myself one with it. So that's basically the essence of the the path that I followed and the path I teach once somebody's sufficiently anchored in their own inner awareness that they can do that. Because, of course, at, at early stages of meditation, it's very important to, to have a an object of concentration. You know, we need a strong, concentrative practice like the breath or a mantra just to keep our mind from going crazy. But once we started, you know, to have a deeper experience of, of the field of, of our own awareness, then that, that kind of practice of, of actually entering straight into the field of awareness, the field of consciousness, it's kind of the essence of what it's all been about for me. And it's, it's similar in certain ways, I would say, to a lot of Buddhist Sadriana practice. It's somewhat similar to Dzogchen practice. Although my own practices, I would call it, you know, kind of subtle, touchy-feely. Um, very much about felt sense, entering into consciousness of the felt sense. I hope that's clear mm-hmm. enough. These subtle realms are sometimes hard to describe. Well, it's interesting because my next question actually had to do with the question of relationship and something that you emphasize a lot in your teaching. And I was hearing words in, in the way you're describing that dialogue going into as opposed to making it an object. And I wanted to see if you could say a little bit about relationship, because I think you've already been circling around it with some of these words. But why is that such a big emphasis in the way that you approach this? Well, I think partly because of my own temperament. I mean, I very much, let's say, believe in, understand, practice with the idea that spirit has at least three facets. Ken Wilbur, who, you know, has put this into language most recently, calls it the first, second, and third person faces of spirit. Abhinava Gupta also talks a lot about the perspectives of spirit. But, you know, one of the perspectives of spirit being spirit as I, spirit as the self, as your own deep consciousness, another being spirit as all that is. But the second person aspect of spirit, spirit as the beloved other, to me, has always been kind of the juiciest, the most delicious aspect of my relationship with consciousness, with spirit, with God. The tradition that I was trained in is very comfortable segueing between all these aspects. So one of the things that I discovered quite early on is that when you turn your attention inside, when you begin to meditate in an introverted way, there's a lot of space between the initial turning inside and the recognition that that yourself, that your being is non-dual awareness. In other words, you come across a lot of emotions, you come across subtle states, and you actually, as you meditate in a focused way, you, you actually begin to realize that you're coming across aspects of yourself, aspects of your mind field, aspects of your body, emotions, sensations, etc. And you do have a relationship with these sensations. So there's an almost unconscious sense of relationship that most of us have when we meditate. In other words, if you're practicing with the breath, it's you and the breath, right? 
you're practicing with the mantra, it's you and you and the mantra. And you know, at a certain point, that separation dissolves, and you recognize that you are the breath, that you are the mantra, that, that you are consciousness. But along the way, that you are actually in a dual relationship with your own inner being. So one of the things I discovered is that okay, if you're going to be in a dual relationship, rather than trying to prematurely make it non-dual, that it's actually much more productive to treat what's arising within you as, say, as a friend, as a beloved, as a source of insight. So I would begin by taking an attitude towards what was going on within me that was friendly and loving. In other words, you know how it is when you're meditating and often there's a kind of impatience or a kind of rigidity or you just want to get down to it. You know, you want to get through the preliminaries, get on to the deep part, or you're bored. I mean, there are just many attitudes that we can have in meditation. So what I began to do is to take the attitude that my inner world, the place that I entered when I turned my attention inside, was actually a world of energies, subtle energies that had an enormous amount to show me, to teach me, and that if I related to what came up as a being and related lovingly, that my inner world would mirror back to me love. It would mirror back openness. The blocks that often come up when you're meditating, I think we all have this experience. You know, you get to a certain point and you're just stuck. You can't go further. There's, the inner world feels gray. It feels dry. It feels harsh. It's full of thoughts. So there is a lot of practices in Shaivism that are actually based on understanding the real nature of the mind. And this is also a, a Vajrayana Buddhist practice. But, you know, one of the practices that I'd learned quite early in my meditation was looking at thoughts, not in terms of their content, but as energies, as made of, of subtle energies. And once I started to relate to thoughts as energies, I could also relate to the inner sensations as energies. And just saying to a particularly gnarly thought, okay, I recognize you, you know, you're made of consciousness, you're not real, you're you're energetic. And even saying actually what you are is Shakti, your divine consciousness manifesting as a thought. And there's something about speaking to the energies inside you and recognizing them as divine, which is so liberating to your own inner energy. It's kind of like the energy inside you wants to be seeing, wants to be recognized, wants to be loved, just as as you or I, as conglomerate individuals, want to be seen and recognized and loved. So that's what I mean by relationship. It really is about being willing to investigate and relate to what comes up as you move through your meditation journey. Join us for the fourth annual Buddhist Geeks Conference, hosted in partnership with Mindful Cyborgs and Shambhala Sun from October 16th through the 19th in beautiful Boulder, Colorado. This year's conference will be exploring the convergence of Buddhism with modern culture and technology through informative keynote presentations, idea-packed TED-style talks, self-organizing community dialogues, and contemplative workshops and practice periods. This year's list of presenters includes the world's most quantified man, Chris Dancy, 
abbot of the village Zendo in New York City, Roshi Pat Enkyo O'Hara, and pragmatic Dharma provocateur Daniel Ingram, as well as many others. For more information and to register, visit BuddhistGeeks.com slash conference. After nearly a year in private beta, the Buddhist Geeks Network is now open for any independent practitioners who want to engage in interdependent practice. You can find out more about the Buddhist Geeks Network by visiting BuddhistGeeks.network. And if you'd like to join the community and join us in regular social meditation practice or other events that we host there in the network, all freely offered, you're very welcome to do so, again, by visiting BuddhistGeeks.network. Love to see you there.